0: Hello friends, I have amazing news. We have a sponsor, a real honest to goodness American company making a quality product that we are happy to endorse. The name of the company is Bloom Farms Wellness. They make CBD products, balms, tinctures, vapes. They send us a bunch of samples and I'm happy to say they're totally delightful. They have a dream tincture to help you sleep, get a good night's sleep full of rest. That works, I tried that. Also the other day, I decided to repair a tape recorder that I bought at a swap meet. Sometimes I get a little stressed out or a little on edge when I'm dealing with old electronic equipment. I decided, you know what, Bloom Farm sent me all this stuff. Let me hit this vape pen real quick. They sent me something called the Highlighter Vape Pen. Let me take a little peep off this pen and maybe it'll put me in a mellow mood as I deal with this old tape recorder. And it totally worked. I mean, obviously, it's eventually it wore off and then I was stressed out again and I put in the Joni Mitchell tape that I wanted to listen to and the tape recorder ate the tape. And then I tried to take the battery compartment out and I wound up breaking it with a pair of pliers, but whatever. That's not Bloom Farms' fault. That's my own fault. While I was hitting that vape pen, everything was A-OK with that tape recorder. The products are grown and produced in the USA. No solvents, no additives. Beautiful packaging, by the way, if you're into that type of stuff. Best of all, Bloom Farms has a give-back program. For every product they sell, they donate a healthy meal to uh, someone experiencing food insecurity in California. To date, they have donated 3 million meals since 2015. Good stuff. Do you want to get in on this? Here's the website, bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM. Gets you 15% off your order. I'm gonna say it one more time, bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM for 15% off your order. The quality CBD products available at Bloom Farms Wellness. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast and thank you for the lovely merchandise. You know, nowadays I use Election Proper Makers Podcast. as uh, a way to put myself to sleep. So I just put it on and get in bed and put it on and then next thing you know, I'm sleeping. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to various and sundry elements of our reality. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast. My name is David. Starley is off this week, but I'm joined by John, who's one of the other hosts. Hello, John. Hey, David. How are you doing? I'm doing great out here in podcast land. How are you doing? I'm doing great. There's a lot to discuss this week. Of course, we want to lead with... um, Well, I'm not sure if we should open with our corrections or if I should open with my story about pants. Listeners, what do you want to hear? Press one for corrections and two for pants. John, what's your preference? What's our first topic? Uh, Corrections. Pants, here we go. Listeners will remember with delight my adventures in New York a month and a half ago when I decided to go to REI to buy some high-tech pants. And although I loved the pants I purchased, I was haunted by a type of pants sold at REI called the Kuhl Silencer Pants. Unfortunately, they did not have them in um, the size that would accommodate my new post-COVID body. So, I went home empty-handed when it comes to silencer pants. However, John, listen to this. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was in New York very briefly last week for work. Again? Yeah, again, if you can imagine. Wow. Yeah, and I went to REI. I said, this quest— is not yet complete. I need to close the circle on these pants. I went to REI, I went straight downstairs. I knew exactly where the silencer pants would be. Uh And lo and behold, they had them in my size. I bought the silencer pants. So now I own the pants that I've been fantasizing about for six weeks. Now, what I'm gonna do now, John, is read to you from the promo copy that was on the card that was attached to these trousers so that you can get as hyped as I was. Okay. First of all, we have the mission statement of cool Pants. They are the revolutionary pants. That's not revolutionary, John. That's revolutionary, as in rebel. Mm-hmm. The revolutionary pants for independent, free-thinking rebels, renegades, and outlaws. I mean, how am I not going to buy these pants? Yeah, that's you. Name one of these things I'm not. Independent, that, it me, free-thinking, mm-hmm. it me, rebel, it me, Renegade, It Me, Outlaw, It Me. These pants should be called the It Me me Trousers. Now we move on to the Silencer ad copy. Now remember, friends, this is the ad copy that got me captivated by these pants six weeks ago and led me back to the store to complete my mission. First of all, they do two things that are really tough right off the bat. The first is Silencer, is spelled S-I-L-E-N-C-R, no final E, They've compacted the word. They've made it a little tighter, a little stronger. Silencer, right? Mm-hmm. Second of all, they do, they do the thing that anytime you see this in an advertisement, you know it's about to get hardcore, which is they do a fake def- dictionary definition when they even put like a little parentheses and say noun or verb. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like achievement, yeah. noun, the process of drinking our fruit juice and becoming more better than ever. So they yeah. did the same thing for silencer. But I think this is not an American company because this makes no sense. It says Silencer. And, of course, each syllable is, is bracketed out like in a real dictionary. And yeah. then it says noun. And then it says complete absence of sound. Now, that's not technically correct. No, that's silence. Exactly. Silence is the complete absence of sound. Silencer, I would imagine, is a device that leads to a diminution of sound. Yes. Or one who silences another, Right. Right. And then they go on to list all the elements that these pants have. Performance soft shell, which is high abrasion to take on the elements, whatever that means. ripstop fabric, which is mechanical stretch for durability. That means a lot to me. 3D articulated design follows the natural movement of your body. These pants are actually in 3D. Hmm. Unlike a lot of pants that you buy and you get them home and you're like, wait a minute, this is just a piece of paper with pants drawn on them.
1: Right, right.
0: These, these actually go all the way around you. Yeah, you put your body inside these pants. You don't put okay. your body behind these pants. You put them inside mm-hmm. the pants. And finally, and of course, this is the thing that I was always interested in, the Stealth Cell Phone Pocket. Now, the other pants that I bought had also had Stealth Cell Phone Pocket. And the great thing about Stealth Cell Phone Pocket is it means no one can find your cell phone, So, which is great. But couple that with the actual silencer pants, no one, no one will have any idea that I even own a phone because, first of all, they won't hear me coming because my pants will silence my legs. Right. Second of all, I have a Stealth cell phone pocket. So I put on the pants, and I was so excited to put the cell phone into the Stealth cell phone pocket. Now, listen to this, everybody. The Stealth cell phone pocket wasn't there. Right. John just snapped to attention. And I'm sure all of you did too. I'm sure I just caused 50 car accidents. The stealth cell phone pocket was not there. And I was like, is this pocket so stealthy that I actually can't find it, right? Right. I took, a, I took off the pants and gave them a long look, looking at every available pocket. Is there an invisible pocket here? Is there a stealth pocket here? Now, it turns out that what I thought was the stealth cell phone pocket on my other pair of pants, which is a wonderful vertical zippered pocket, which makes you feel like a total astronaut, because it's so high-tech, that's actually not the stealth cell phone pocket. I had misidentified the stealth cell phone pocket on my other pair of pants, and it turns out the stealth cell phone pocket is a simple horizontal slit on the side of the thigh, and that's where you're supposed to put your cell phone. I had been putting my cell phone in the wrong pocket on my previous pair of pants. How interesting is that? For all the time I spent fantasizing and wishing about silencer pants and and lurking on the REI website to see if they would finally have them in my size, and then the delight with which I purchased them last week, I actually think I prefer my other pair of pants because they're just more high-tech. They have more pockets, and they have this little thing down by the cuff where I can cinch the leg of the pants Close them off if I'm like— In high water? Yeah, if I'm in a swamp, you know? Like, remember the story that Mike Watt tells about when he was doing his first European tour with the Minutemen opening for Black Flag in the 80s, and there was one stop where he had really bad diarrhea right before they went on stage, and he was wearing long trousers, and so what he did was he just tied off the cuffs of his trousers so that he could have diarrhea all night while he was playing bass, but it wouldn't leak out onto the stage. Yeah. These These pants were probably designed by Mike Watt. Yeah, Cool thunder broomers, or something. Yeah. I come here today to review this pair of pants, the silencer pants. I'm going to give them three and a half out of five stars. But my previous pair of pants, whose name I unfortunately cannot remember, we'll call them the Marauders, I give four and a half out of five stars. So there you have it. Kid Midas' pants report. John, we have some corrections. We got DMs, we got tweets, we got. Discord comments, we got emails.
1: Yeah, and I imagine everybody knows what this is.
0: Yeah, let's it just get a, it
1: over with. It was a big one and it was one that I got to admit that I sort of saw in real time, but I was I was blown away by your confidence because this was your actual friend. This is somebody that you knew, uh somebody that you had interviewed directly that I I just was like maybe I'm con- maybe I'm confused. And it was um astronaut Chris Hadfield, uh, that you referred to as a great American astronaut. And he is a great astronaut, but he is not an American. He's a Canadian.
0: Right. And I should clarify, just in interest of full transparency, he is not my friend. He was a friendly person. I was delighted okay. to talk to him, right. t- to interview him, but he is not my friend. And I'm sure now he is more determined than ever not to be my friend because it's true. I said Chris Hatfield, the famous astronaut, was American. I just assumed because he was a famous astronaut, he had to be American, like Yuri Gagarin, right? It's like all famous astronauts are American. Right. And sure right, enough, Yuri. Woo, Canada came for me with, with can this Canadian's want to put my head on a pike. But I look, say,
1: just to do yeah. it well, actually, on you, the Canadians, they're Americans.
0: Ooh, okay, what's going on here? I like this. Well, I mean, you know, i I'm sure no one's getting upset about this. Go ahead. No,
1: they're not U.S. citizens, but they are Americans, just as people from South America are Americans.
0: Oh, a little technicality here for Kid Midas to skate away with. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. America
1: is a very broad place, and it does not necessarily mean the United States. I like this.
0: Not pedantic at all. We love it. Yes. I I rescind— my correction, Chris Hatfield is American. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there you go. Just kidding. I think he's Canadian because, because apparently he wore a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey under his spacesuit. And also, I saw a photo of him posing in front of the Canadian flag, and no one would bother photoshopping that. Come on, right? No. Nah. But, it, but it made me think about something, John. This is where my jingoism actually becomes a force for good. Mm -hmm. Last week, you'll remember that the three of us, John Starley and I, were lucky enough, we were blessed to be on uh, Sir Richard Branson's spaceship as he went up into space. We're recording this on Monday, but tomorrow, Tuesday, Jeff Bezos is also planning to go to space. What fun these two billionaires are having in space. Let's think for a moment about the high-profile spacemen in our midst. Chris Hadfield, Canadian. Sir Richard Branson, British. Elon Musk... South African, it's only Jeff Bezos who is American. Hmm. That's only 25% of the famous spacemen who've captured our hearts and minds. I could be forgetting some spacemen and I could be forgetting some space women, but I can't think of any women or non-men who are famous for space these days. It's only Jeff Bezos who is representing America. And we know he's a great patriot because he pays one of the highest marginal tax rates in human history and he loves giving back. <laughs> right mm-hmm. he loves helping yeah. our country yep. so i am all in on jeff bezos because if so because if, if look if space is going to be dominated by asshole billionaires at least let it be an american asshole billionaire yeah, right? one of ours one yeah. of ours one of us one of us boy that yeah you're right that's interesting i mean it's heavy shit I mean, man
1: yeah we're in a new we're in a new era where the U.S. doesn't dominate everything.
0: JFK would be so pissed right now if he was alive. Yeah, yeah, he would be. So we have to get all in on Jeff Bezos. I got an email from Elizabeth Warren, a Senator in Massachusetts, just this morning about Jeff Bezos. Subject line, Jeff Bezos. Listen to what Elizabeth Warren says. Tomorrow, Jeff Bezos, the wealthiest person in the world will launch into space. Then she talks about Americans living from paycheck to paycheck and 43 million people being saddled with student loan debt, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I just want Americans in space. Then she says, David, Our economy has worked better and better for the rich and powerful and worse and worse for everyone else. How did we get here? We got here in part because billionaires like Jeff Bezos and giant corporations like Amazon have spent years avoiding to pay blah, 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 fair share in taxes, blah, blah, blah. Turns out he only pays like, okay, oh, here it is. Just look at the numbers. Between 2014 and 2018, Jeff Bezos' wealth grew by $99 billion, and he only paid 0.98% of that in taxes. The rest, <laughs> the rest of America. That's true. Yeah, it's How true. How can that be true? Because the system works. Yeah. The tax system is designed not for equity, not for upward mobility, but for Americans to get rich as fuck so they can go into space for 10 minutes at a time and finally know what it's like to pee in a bottle. <laughs> and I'm 100% behind Jeff Bezos. Mr. Bezos, if you're listening, I hope you have a wonderful 10 minutes in outer space. I hope it changes your perspective. I hope you come back and and have a big press conference and say, friends, um, I know I'm a polarizing figure, but I have been to space, and I've seen Earth from the great beyond, and it's changed my perspective on things. I promise from now on to be more driven and more successful than ever before. I see how much of the Earth I have left to conquer. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, I will become wealthier and wealthier and pay less and less of my wealth into taxes so that I can spend more and more minutes in space. And if all goes well, by this time next year, I will spend not 10 minutes in space, but 11 minutes in space. The following year, 12 minutes in space. Year by year, launch by launch, quest Mm -hmm. by quest, minute by minute, until finally, in 100 years hence, I will spend 110 minutes in space. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming to my press conference. Senator Warren, I'll see you in hell because I know I won't see you in space, you do good, or you'll never have enough money to go into space. (laughs) You want me to pay more in taxes? Why don't you fly up into space and kiss my fat ass? I wonder if he's gonna have a weightlifting bench in space so he can keep up his workout regimen even while he's floating in space. We have another correction, John. I'm going to let you take this. It's from Ryan. I I don't really think this is a correction so much.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll read it. Ryan writes in, John, you mentioned that the clocks on the GPS satellites needed to be reset regularly because they're traveling so fast. That's not actually the case. You're right that because of the relativity, a clock on those satellites would seem to tick faster compared to an identical clock on Earth when observed from Earth. But that's built into their design. And the atomic clocks on board these satellites are built to tick slower than a clock on Earth so that when they're whizzing around in orbit, they match up perfectly with our primitive Earth clocks. It's actually a bit more complicated than that. And he sends some links so we can look at that in detail. I mean, I don't know. Did I not say that? I said that they were... Going in a different speed, that there had to be some kind of adjustment made. Isn't that what he's saying?
0: You were right when you said that the clocks will tick at a different speed, but you, it sounds like you were wrong when you said therefore they need to be adjusted. Because what Ryan is saying is actually they that adjustment is built into the actual clock.
1: Yeah. So I'm saying they need to be adjusted before they go up into space. Bro, and this is like you're you, you like you saying, saying everyone in Canada is American?
0: Up. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, I wasn't gosh. saying that Derrida you had to fly himself up. Himself would not take a finer tooth comb to language and meaning. Fine. Good gracious!
1: Yeah. So it's a different speed. I don't know. They the adjustments have to be made on Earth, not up there. You don't have to fly up there and make adjustments. You know, it would be amazing if they months. every
0: so often they had to fly an astronaut up to the satellite yeah. and board the satellite and adjust the clock. Yeah, that could be a real movie. They could make a real movie about that, John. Yeah, they could it would be called the clock setter. It'd be a lonely astronaut. She only has one job. Every six months, she has to fly to a remote satellite, breach the hull door, go in, and manually, the, uh, manually adjust the atomic clock so that it still synchronizes with Earth time. And then she flies back home and waits for her next mission. And then one evening, as she enters the satellite and opens the door to adjust the clock. What does she see inside the satellite? A birthday cake. Uh, oh. Oh, okay. Because it's her birthday. But who left the cake? And how long ago was it deposited in the satellite? And is it safe to eat? And why, John, on the cake, written very carefully in delicate frosting, do we see the message, this will be your final birthday? Oh. That's it. That's the whole movie. Oh, it's only okay. 10 minutes long. It's as long as Jeff Bezos will be in space. Wow.
1: That's a great movie. I thought the the, the birthday
0: cake was going to be like a birthday cake from a previous birthday. Oh, that she forgot about? Yeah, that,
1: she, you know, because she'd gone back in space.
0: Oh, because time. time. Yes, that's what it is. You're right. Absolutely, John. She enters the spaceship. She enters the satellite. What does she see? A birthday cake. But it's for last year's birthday. She looks down at her hands slightly less wrinkled than they were when she left for space. She whips off her astronaut helmet, takes a close look in the vanity mirror inside the satellite. Gray hairs that were present this morning are gone now. Her hair is her original brown hair. Could it be she's getting younger and younger because she's in space? Jeff Bezos whizzes by, waving from his satellite. I'm going to be in space for 13 minutes this time. He yells as he as he speeds <laughs> by in orbit. End <laughs> credits. <All>
1: right. The <laughs> clock
0: setter. Right? So
1: that's good. A yeah. Netflix
0: exclusive written uh, okay. by Kid Midas and Long John Silver. <laughs> okay. Only one more space-related thing I wanted to say, John, and this gets okay. back to one of our other friends. Elon Musk, founder of mm-hmm. Tesla, I think, Actually, I don't think Mm -hmm. he founded it. And also PayPal, I think. Of course, PayPal Mm -hmm. co-founded with Peter Thiel, the venture capitalist who employed for years our favorite Ohio Senate candidate, J.D. Vance, right? The hillbilly hedge Mm -hmm. funder. Elon Mm -hmm. Musk tweeted an extraordinary little bit of verse the other day. I guess this is free verse, but he styled it as a poem because he broke it up into four separate lines. And for everyone who delights in making fun of all these rich people going to space and has a cynical view of the matter, like, like I do, Elon Musk tweeted something that gave me pause. I'm gonna read it now its entirety and I hope I can give it <laughs> the gravity it deserves. Elon tweeted, those who attack space maybe don't realize that space represents hope for so many people. John, what do you think of this little bit of poetry?
1: That's profound. Um, <laughs> and I thought I was embarrassed for you when I saw it because I knew that you had been owned, basically. Yeah. I mean, that was a shot directly at you as far as I'm concerned.
0: Right? The thing I don't like about it, I, first of all, I love poetry. And I like to memorize poetry. I think it's a good way to keep your mind healthy and a good way to appreciate uh the language that the poems are written in. In my case, of course, it's Canadian English, my favorite language. The thing I don't like about this poem, I like the line, those who attack space. Instantly, uh, you've grabbed, this is the elevator pitch or this is the log line we say in Hollywood, which is where I live. Mm -hmm. Those who attack space. Interesting, who attack space? Is he talking about space invaders? No, Mm -hmm. it's not people who attack from space. It's people who attack space itself. Okay, I can get with this. This is heavy. What I hate is the next line, maybe don't realize. What is that maybe doing there? That's so casual for such a profound force uh, stanza, yeah. you know? It feels a little, a little too chatty or a little sarcastic or something. Those who attack space maybe don't realize that space represents hope for so many people. Lose the maybe, Mr. Musk. It should, he should say, those who attack space, I would say this. Actually, I'm going to punch this up. Here we go, John. Those who attack space must not realize that space represents hope for so many people. Boom, poem is instantly 10 times better. Those who attack space must not realize that space represents hope for so many people. And that's definitely the error that we all make. And when we attack Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Richard Banson for going into space, yeah, we're definitely attacking space. Yes, yeah. That's definitely what, that's definitely what we have a beef it, with, y- is space. Yeah. Shaking yeah. our fists at the night sky. Why is there so much of you, infernal space? I wish the Earth was in a tiny little closet. I wish it was stuffy everywhere at all times. Anyway, I'm kind of tired of talking about space, and I think next week we should pledge to no longer talk about space. What do you say, John?
1: Okay, that's fine.
0: Let's talk about Predict It. (laughs) Okay. Those who attack Predict It maybe don't realize that Predict It represents hope for so many people. Let's move on to my other favorite person in American politics, the one and only, the aforementioned J.D. Vance, who will win the Ohio GOP Senate primary? Who is in this market, listeners? Your friend Kid Midas is in this market. Josh Mandel, who John Kimball loves and has a huge crush on, still leads the the field unpredicted at 40 cents. J.D. Vance, who I paid 29 cents a share for, is only up to 31 cents. JD Vance is not getting a toehold in this race. I want him to get a good old-fashioned hard scrabble Appalachian foothold in this in this predicted market, but he's still trailing Josh Mandel. John, what do I do?
1: Yeah, Mandel just keeps going up, up, up. You know, I was uh I was in the Appalachians. Wait, what? That's what we, that's what we call them in the South. It's not the Appalachian. Um or actually we call you know how, you know how in North Carolina when we go to the Coast, we call it the beach. Yeah, it is the beach. You know, we say, we're going to the beach. And yeah. then uh, <clears throat> in the Northeast, I think they say they're going to the shore or maybe in Massachusetts, you would say the Cape.
0: Hmm, interesting. Let's review the Dead Milkman, immortal classic, Bitch and Camaro. Hey man, where are you going? I'm going down to the shore. You can't, the shore, uh, Jamaica's an island. Bitch and Camaro, remember that song? That was from yeah. memory, if you can believe that. I ran over
1: my neighbor.
0: Yeah. Okay, anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead.
1: Uh, Let's see, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So, I went to the
0: mountains.
1: <laughs> I went to the mountains. It was the first real vacation I've had for uh, since the pandemic began. Um, and I was wondering, do people call it the mountains? Is that different everywhere?
0: Uh, Listeners, our email is always open. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We were overwhelmed with wonderful emails about GeoGesser. Now we want to hear from people about what they call going to the mountains. Is that was that a good way to yeah, yeah. proposition these like, answers?
1: Like maybe in New York they say we're going to the Adirondacks mm-hmm. or is it just is it, is it a generic thing? Um, but yeah, I was in the mountains. I was in JD Vance's, you know, I was with his people. Uh-huh. This weekend I went
0: tubing. Ooh, J.D. Vance. Someone's gunning for you, J.D. Vance. Someone got in that tube. I went tubing down the New River,
1: or as I like to call it, the New River, because it's the second oldest river in the world. What? Did you know that? I don't think rivers
0: have ages, John.
1: Yeah, they do. I don't know how they do it, but the uh, the New River is listed, depending on your your source, is, is listed as the second or the third oldest river
0: river in the world. Bullshit. That makes no sense. Well, I don't know, man. How could an old river be in America? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Because America's the new world. Yeah, that's true. We have the that's freshest excellent... rivers, lakes, and bodies of water anywhere. What's the oldest river? The Nile?
1: No. Um the new river is is is, is the third it's 260 to 325 million years old. It's because the amount, the Appalachian Mountains are really old.
0: So you went tubing on the new river. Yeah, da- I went tubing down the new river. <laughs> Amazing. It gets it's funnier old. and funnier every time you do yep, it. Yep,
1: yep. And uh, I thought of J.D. Vance while I was doing it. It was great.
0: <laughs> okay, keep going. Okay, that's it. That's all I have. That's, that's it? all I have. That's your yes. vacation report? I spent twenty times um, longer talking about buying a fucking pair of pants, John. Let me hear about this vacation.
1: Okay, uh, I I do have some news on the skyscrapers on mountains front. Uh, there was there's there's a horrible horrible twelve uh, story building in Banner Elk, North Carolina, on top of Little Sugar Mountain, and it's a a, a resort that was built in 1981, and actually it changed mountaintop development in North Carolina. After it was built, people hated it so much, they passed a law that said you can no longer build buildings over four stories high on ridge tops.
0: Really? Uh, in That's, the North Carolina mountains. Huh. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'd forgotten about this. And it, it's up at about 5,000 feet. So it would actually rank very high on our skyscraper elevation uh, list. And what do you think on. of it?
0: Aesthetically, It's it...
1: horrible. It's disgusting, it's ugly, it's uh, it's embarrassing. It, it really is the type of thing that I, if I were to become a billionaire, I would buy it and destroy it, you know?
0: Oh. It's just, it's really,
1: yeah, it's just awful.
0: So you went tubing, you took a photo of an awful building on top of a mountain. Did you do anything especially authentic that J.D. Vance would feel intimidated by? Like, uh-oh, this guy might be gunning for my brand. We went to the
1: mass general store. Okay. You ever been there? I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. I don't know. It's like a general store. People buy candy
0: there. Oh, America Heartland, Ron Howard. Yeah. Let's get Ron Howard on the line. He can make another dippy movie yeah, of Glenn yeah. Close playing John Kimball. The role, performance for the ages. That would be so intensive. It said starring Glenn Close as John Kimball. Uh, That would be strange. Yeah, that would be it. But but sometimes casting decisions like that um, generate buzz. And if you can time it just right, that buzz can carry over into the premiere of the movie, whether on streaming or, you know, wide release. Maybe this is a limited release. Um, And then people are talking about it. You know, it's good. It's good for the movie. All right. Did you guys hear that, Ron? here's, Here's an example. You guys know how J.D. Vance um, is now the—he won the GOP primary in Ohio, uh, and he beat Josh Mandel, and he's going to run for Senate in Ohio. J.D. Vance, can you imagine? Yeah, the guy who wrote Hillbilly Elegy. Mm. Oh, yeah, I read that book. It helped me understand people who vote for Trump. Well, anyway, Ron Howard made a movie about him. It was called Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, right. Didn't that star Amy Adams and Glenn Close? Yeah, exactly. That's the one. And it was— its reception by the intelligentsia was, shall we say, lukewarm, rotten tomatoes much. I'll pass on that tomato salad, right? Okay. Anyway, yeah. they say all that fun stuff. We're at a dinner party, yeah. of course. They say, well, here, now check this out. Did you know they're making a sequel to Hillbilly Elegy? What? What? Yeah. It's called Hillbilly Elegy Part 2. And it stars Glenn Close. Oh, she's coming back to play Mima? No, no, get this. She's playing a guy named John Kimball who drove from the Piedmont in the Triassic Basin in the center of North Carolina to the mountains, one of the oldest parts of North Carolina, and went to a general store and bought some candy and reflected Mm -hmm. upon J.D. Vance himself. How long is the movie gonna be? Six and a half hours. Holy shit, yeah, it takes place in real time. He just drive with just drive with John in the car. Yeah. But it's Glenn Close playing John, so she's looking out the window saying, "Oh, I wonder what the elevation is here. Oh, this dew point is really kicking my ass." Yeah. This morning. That would, what be would exactly What would happen if right. they put a skyscraper on top of Mount Everest? All this type right. of stuff. Six hours of her just riffing on demography, elevation, infrastructure, and yeah, going uh, over the, the, dead the subcontinental
1: man. subcontinental divide. Going
0: over the subcontinental divide—that's a huge moment in the movie.
1: It is a big moment. You come over and you're like, okay, now we're in the, the, the Mississippi, uh, you know, Gulf of Mexico watershed. It's Incredible. A, you know, you're
0: in a different area. That's when the movie switches into 3D, right? Ah, okay. And the second half of the movie is all in 3D. Anyway, they're making that movie. Can you imagine? Oh, what an interesting fact I didn't know. This dinner party is, is truly wonderful. What are you eating there? I'm eating cream cheese and asparagus. What are you eating? I'm eating nectarines. Can't you see that happening? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so what else happened on your trip to Appalachia? Give me some something that helped you understand JD Vance. I want some intel about this predicted market. Should I stay uh, or should I sell?
1: Let's see. Um Tweetsu Railroad?
0: <laughs>
1: you ever you ever been?
0: Have I ever been to Tweetsie Railroad? I mean, it had a huge impact on us as kids because I think they had TV commercials for it.
1: There's a great time for the whole family at Tweetsie Railroad. There's happiness and more fun than ever traveling through the good old days at Tweetsie Railroad. Tweetsie Railroad is a, an amusement park in in Western North Carolina uh, where they have a um, one of these old trains from like the late 1800s that they um, refurbished. And you can ride on it. And then they have a, I mean, it used to be really politically incorrect. It was the Cowboys and the Indians fighting one another. Uh, and, and now it's a little more a PC.
0: Who are the Cowboys fighting now that it's PC?
1: No, no, no. It's just the Cowboys and the Indians are sort of fighting uh, alongside each other.
0: Oh, who are they fighting? Space invaders? Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. Maybe other groups. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. All right. But it used to be they were fighting one another. Right. And everyone would root for the Cowboys, of course.
0: Sure, of course. Cowboys represent goodness, light, fairness, opportunity, right. and justice. Right.
1: So, Tweetsie Railroad was developed, I think, in the 1950s or so, and it just it rep- represented a lot of um, capitalistic or just epic economic development for Western North Carolina and— brought a lot of money into the area and that's probably was good for the locals and maybe JD Vance would uh, be a fan of that. I was trying I was doing anything I could to try No, that's great. To no, JD that was great.
0: That was a great that was a great tie-in. There, there, there <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing. There's a
1: I can't remember the man's name who developed it, but but there's a highway actually when you come into um Beach Mountain, which is where I was, that's named after him. Okay. If you died, would you want a, so I was thinking about this. Okay. I would not want, if I died, a road to be named after me. And here's why. Because a lot of times you're on these highways, you're on Interstate 40. Okay, right,
0: right? Okay, I can picture if, that. Yep, I'm speeding along on I-40. It's
1: called I-40. And then you see this sign that says like, Harriet Moorhead Barry the Third Freeway. You know, it's a sign Okay. Okay. And then so like this stretch of I-40 is called the Harriet Moorhead Barry the Third Freeway. But nobody calls it that. You know what I mean? It's not called that on on the map. It's just called that because of that sign.
0: Would you rather
1: in the second that sign comes down, here's my point is that like you put that sign up. That's very cool. That's great. The sign says, you know, Jonathan David Kimball freeway uh but the second you know within like 5 years some mower knocks that sign down the highway's not named after you anymore basically
0: well that's not true the sign is not the naming the sign records the naming is the it is the public facing record of the naming do you know what i mean sort of Sort of. That's like saying if you go to a podiatry convention and you have your name tag on it and it says Dr. John Kimball and your name tag falls off, you're no longer named Dr. John Kimball, and that's not true.
1: No, you you no, you still are named Dr. John Kimball, and you're still walking around and you have you have all these other things that represent, you know, you have your diploma, you have your business cards, you have all these people that know you as that, but nobody knows this as the Jonathan Kim Jonathan D. Kimball. Freeway, and the second that sign disappears, now it may be written like in the Orange County records, uh, some somewhere, you know, in the library, uh, that that's the name of the that ten mile stretch of freeway. Right, but yeah. it's not so like sti- so it's still named after you. Yeah, but nobody knows. Mm. It's not like it's not like I I hear what you're saying, but it's not like so. so let's say Carolina wins the national championship, and you know they're the national champions because they have the trophy. But that trophy disappears. There's still the national champions in Wikipedia, and there's T-shirts, and everyone just knows because they've witnessed it. Right. Nobody would ever remember, once that sign disappears, that that freeway is yours.
0: Well, I would remember, and my family would remember, and I would make damn sure everyone listening to this podcast would remember. Okay. All right?
1: Well, I'd prefer to like be a town name. Oh, you know, okay. You'd
0: like, rather have a town named after you than a little stretch of freeway, yeah.
1: Because, because then, if the sign disappears, you know, if the sign "Welcome to Chapel Hill" or Carborough or whatever disappears, you still every thing that comes to this town has to be addressed to that town.
0: <clears throat> the envelopes would tell the tale. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, Sorry, what would I the didn't town to be? Off on that. No, that's that's fine. That's what people like. What um what would you want the town named after you to be named?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Would it be Kimball or would it be John Kimball?
0: It seems kind of weird. Oh, you think? (laughs) To have a town that's just someone's first and last name? No, that'd be really normal. Uh, I need to send a letter. Uh, I'm sending it to Mark Johnson, 243 Maple Street, uh, John Kimball, North Carolina, 28668. No, that's not happening. It's never going to happen. You
1: know— there's a town in Orange County called Eli Whitney. That's named after Yeah,
0: him. and that's weird, but at least we all know who Eli Whitney is. He invented the cotton gin. Every kid in North Carolina right. learns that, right? That's right, yeah. Booker T. Washington and Eli Whitney teaming up to fight the Cowboys and the Indians at Tweetsie Railroad.
1: Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Uh-huh,
0: yeah. Oh, the stuff we learn as, as wide-eyed youngsters. Okay, so basically you took an entire research mission to Appalachia— just like a New York Times reporter heading out to talk to white rural voters and diners right and you still don't have any inside Intel for me about JD Vance and whether I should sell these shares?
1: I guess not. I guess most of the people I interacted with were from other places like Florida and stuff like that.
0: I didn't I didn't really talk to too many locals. Let's talk about the Olympics briefly. this this the Olympics are adjacent to the world of politics and we and, and money. it's a lot of the things that we're interested in. The mm. more I learn about the Olympics, the queasier I feel about watching them. Now, I used to be the biggest Olympics head you've ever known. 19- you 1984, Mary Lou rett in Los Angeles. I was so yeah. into that Olympics. I remember watching the yeah. opening ceremony at Relative's House in Ohio during a summer yeah. vacation and just being gobsmacked at the glamour and the glitz of a Los Angeles Olympics. And then, of course, Mary Lou coming out there and crushing it on that pommel horse. On that tr- on that yeah. trampo trampoline, then I started learning. Then I went to Barcelona, a couple years before the Barcelona Olympics, and P- activists in Barcelona were really down on the Olympics. And I even bought an anti-Olympics Barcelona T-shirt, which showed the figure of Barcelona represented by a middle aged man pulling out his empty pants pockets in an old cartoon mode, and it said Barcelona '93. Yeah. And the message, of course, was once the Olympics leave. We're fucked because we spent all this money on the Olympics uh, and what do we have to show for it this big ass empty stadium what are we gonna do with this stadium? Yeah watch it fall apart. Put all our Moreau paintings in there no one gives a shit right and then and then I met these people here in Los Angeles who are anti-LA Olympics because they always just displace all the homeless people to build stadiums and stuff and spend all this money it's a huge boondoggle. I think the IOC the International Olympic Committee might be tainted mm-hmm. with the with might. The, my, with the odor of corruption. I don't know. I don't know if I can get in with the Olympics. I love the Olympics so much, though. They're my, they're one of my biggest problematic faves. I love to watch gymnasts. I love to watch those men on those rings. Can you imagine being that strong? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and, and basketball, and diving, and no Olympic basketball is the most boring shit on earth.
1: Diving, diving. We got Greg Luganis. I mean,
0: but not mm, not the, not the winter summer, Olympics. right? Yeah, exactly. Not in the summer Olympics, yeah. but um, jumping. I watch people just run and jump. How basic is that? Yeah. But when you have Carl Lewis, I mean, think about all these icons from our childhood. Carl Lewis, Mary Lou Retton, Greg Louganis, right? They'll just run in a straight line and jump as far as they can and everyone will lose their damn minds about it. Usain Bolt? Ben Johnson, Canadian. Ben Johnson, famous can- you're Famous right. American. You're right. He was Canadian. I remember that. So yeah. what are we going to do about the Olympics, listeners? I want to know, is it okay to watch the Olympics or are you just supporting a system? Is is, you know, it's like- I I try to do my best to not buy stuff from Amazon, not only because I delight in telling people that at a dinner party, but also because I just don't want to give money to this totally fucked up company that I don't like. Is me watching the Olympics as bad as me shopping at Amazon? That's the question. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Is it okay to watch the Olympics?
1: So if... If you're not into the olympics, what are your what are your
0: alternatives? I guess you... I could just go to the park and watch people run and jump,
1: but they won't be as good no. as
0: these wonderful Olympians,
1: but there's got to be other like the world does the world's fair still exist?
0: I should get so into the World's Fair. I wish they would televise the World's Fair every year and you could watch people eat cotton yeah. candy and go on a big roller coaster. I don't know if the world's fair still exists. i don't I don't think it does. yeah, maybe Thomas Friedman can yeah. write an article about how we need to rebrand the world's fair as the innovation fair. Right? Yeah. That would be good. We could come together, because the world is flat, nations could come together and share their innovations, and we could build a brighter future for everybody. Thomas Friedman. Well, I just ran out of steam. Do you have anything yep. else? Nope. Holy shit, really? Um, That's, no, we do have something else, John.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, hold on just a moment. Let me find this email. Listener question from Emily. I was wondering how you feel about long markets as in two plus years before it resolves. My husband and I were talking about the will Biden resign in his first term market, which feels like a good bet to invest in, but likely won't pay out for three and a half years. Is it worth it to invest and sit tight? What do you think, John? No. Whoa. Okay. No,
1: because I mean, half of these markets are just entertainment value for, for me personally. I'm speaking for me personally. Um, I would be bored to death by that market. I would think that you could have a much better return in other markets. What about you?
0: Well, I think of Predict It, you know, it's kind of like the pleasure of buying a lottery ticket. It's the fantasy element. It's the daydreaming element. And if you want to get into a market with a really long horizon where it's going to take years to resolve, that's fine because then you might have years of free fantasy fodder. And we're always on the hunt for good fantasy fodder, aren't we, John? Or maybe you'll forget about it, and then... And then you'll have a delightful surprise, like uh, a bond that was uh, given to you uh, when you were a kid, and then you turn 18, and your parents are like, oh, here's this bond we bought that we forgot to tell you about. It turns out it's worth $300,000 because it's a Dogecoin bond, so good for you, right? right? It can be a fun little um, surprise. Yeah, if you remember. On the other hand, if you're one of the many millions of Americans referenced in Senator Warren's email where things are a little tight, maybe it's not the best use of your money. But again, if it's just $5 or something and you get two and a half years or three and a half years of fun fantasizing and conversation about it, that's great value. That's a great return on that investment. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not bad.
0: So, Emily, put everything you and your husband own into markets, all of which resolve no sooner than four years from now. And in four years, let us know if it was worth it. That is our... Not our request. That is our demand of you as a listener. Thank you for your question. Okay, here we go, John. Here's a, here's a provocative question from Stephanie. She sent a link to a documentary, and it says, this documentary voiceover helped me to realize that skyscrapers are just men trying to penetrate the sky. I think this is a conversation we need to have. Like, why does John really like skylines? John, hmm. are we dealing with some Freudian penis stuff here or what? Probably. I mean, yeah. Aren't we always in everything? The link that Stephanie sent is a a piece of programming called Tallest Buildings and Constructions in the World, Masters of Engineering, released on the YouTube channel, free documentary.
1: Okay, I'll have to watch it. Well, you watch this. Did you watch
0: it? I have no interest in skyscrapers. Okay, all right. Why would I ever watch a documentary about tall buildings or Masters of Engineering? I'm a liberal arts major, man. Give me a documentary about the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins, right? That's my speed, man. Robert Frost, whose woods are these? I must know, I simply must know. My horse and I ride through the snow. Two roads diverge, we must get oats. For my horse is fat like an old billy goat. Robert Frost, right? That's my my speed. Mm but let's let's return briefly to Stephanie's question. Is this skyscraper yes. stuff just penis stuff? And yes, I use the p word, and I apologize to our listeners. But isn't that what this comes down to?
1: I mean, I feel like if I say no, then th- th- it'll just seem like I'm being defensive.
0: That's the good thing so, about Freudianism. The more you right. the more you disagree, the more you are in denial
1: right. so i i I don't know, maybe,
0: okay. Well listen, this is what I would say Stephanie. If it's all just penis stuff, I'd rather it be skyscraper data collection than gun purchases. All right, I said it. I'm right. not a huge fan of guns. All right? I'm sorry everybody.
1: Yeah. I don't think it's penis stuff because if it was, yeah, then it would be I I think I'd be experiencing that type of stuff across the board. I would I would drive a big truck. Yeah. And your license uh,
0: plate would say penis. Right? Right? right.
1: So I drive a little tiny car, yeah.
0: Yeah, you go to Tweetsie Railroad and you buy an engineer's cap that says big cock.
1: Yeah, train daddy.
0: Okay, Stephanie, we reject your theory. John's interest in skyscrapers is not displaced phallic something or other.
1: That's not to say that that, uh, that may not be the case for others. You know?
0: John is the only person whose interest in skyscrapers is purely intellectual and aesthetic and contains no sexual undertones. Take that yeah. to the bank. All these yeah. other people who are interested in elevations and skyscrapers are a bunch of are a bunch of maladjusted perverts. I wonder if conquering space contains some of the same phallic elements as being obsessed with skyscrapers. You know, it's all about right piercing pen, pen, penetrating the horizon, a great show of strength, a great show of if not aggression, then, and then prowess, right? There's something deeply unsettling about all human achievement when you really think about it. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell with help from Houston Snyder and Cat You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. You'll get links, um, or you'll get access to our monthly movie club episodes. Send your election prediction questions and Skyline questions and answers to the questions we've asked you, you can send those all to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you want to try Predictit.org, you want to get in in this JD Vance market and join me, go to the website predictitorg promo EPM 20, you'll receive up to $20 in matching funds. And of course, as ever, we ask that you rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher and all manner of um, podcast rating and reviewing apps. Uh, turns out those reviews really help people find the show and we would love to have more listeners. Um, not that we don't appreciate the listeners we have. We think the world of all of you, but we'd also like to have more listeners. We yeah. want to build this empire so that we too can go to space for 10 minutes and maybe go peepee or BM in some kind of weird tube. And that'll change our perspective about everything. Right, John? Right, right. Don't we want to go pee or BM in a weird tube in space?
1: Yes. You go yes. get him, in Jeff space.
0: Bezos. You go get him in space. Uh, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Yeah, bye.